Hello, listener. Would you like to play a game? You spend hours on end every single day over-consuming and over-indulging in content. Content from white evangelicals sipping down gallons of warm milk to the point of drowning. You now have a choice. You can either continue to overindulge in this wishy-washy form of Christianity, or you can continue to listen to this current episode, risking it all to choke to death on some hearty meat. The choice is yours. Life or death. You have 60 seconds to decide. Welcome back to My Seminary Life. I'm your host, Brandon Knight, and this is the highly anticipated, or at least highly anticipated by me, Halloween slash Reformation Day special of Monsters and Luther. Over the past two years here on the show, we've had usually like a spooky themed episode right here, right around the end of October on purpose, because I'm one of those bad Christians who likes Halloween. But this is our first official, we're celebrating both here in today's episode, Reformation Day and Halloween. We're going to start the episode off talking about something a little spooky, and then we're going to transition and talk about something a little Lutheran. And to have today's uh, conversation, I have invited back longtime friend of the show, Joshua Knoll. Josh, welcome back. Have you started any new podcasts lately? Um... (laughs) I guess to find lately, you know, I hope the Clyde start theirs. So maybe everyone uh, on the Anazel Ministries Podcast Network want to check out the Clydes. I, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. Nice. They, the first couple episodes, I think they were trying to figure out what the show was. Okay. But now it's like a, a mixture of like a, a journal and a devotion put together. And I'm like, this is, this is kind of fun. That's not too bad. Yeah, I know people have compared my seminary life, especially the early episodes as a bit more of a journal style podcast so if you like this you might like the clydes as well plus they're just cool people oh yeah yeah well also i think it's fun because like you know i do dummy for theology and you do this and i think we try to make it practical but it's mostly on the more intellectual side and i'm not trying to say there's isn't intellectual but it's interesting that there's seems to be more practical but like educationally practical if that makes sense like it's not oh what are we going to do with this it's here are three steps that we found in this book and how they're used oh you know yeah that's good and it continues 
it continues to show why Anazow is great because you just get such a variety of shows. And with that free plug in mind, let's get into <laughs> let's get into today's topic. We're starting things off a little spooky. Here's the big reveal. I've kept it a secret. We're here today to talk about Satanism. That's right, folks. Whoop, whoop. The religion oh. of <laughs> Satanism. And let's just go ahead like a good horror movie and get the big shocking reveal right out of the, the shocking grab right off the bat here. Josh, you went to a Satanist church before, right? Yes. Yes. I've, uh, this is interesting. So I, I've studied some when I studied world religion at a public university. Um, I've been to a Satanist church and I've been friends with a couple of people who call themselves Satanist. All actually really good people. In my opinion, you know, good okay. is subjective, I suppose. How would you define good, or at least as you see it in the Satanists that you've known? <laughs> I'm thinking more of like the typically what we think of like fruit of the spirit or things that you're thinking of like. I think things that the Bible call good. I think like the, the problem is like a lot of Christians have hesitancy to use the word good of anything that's not directly saying Jesus. You know, True. just like it can't be truth if it's not actually just using the word Jesus. But I'm like, okay, but Jesus said a lot about marriage. That stuff is true. That same thing is said by the Buddhist. Does that make it not truth? It seems mm -hmm. like that should still be truth. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, you know, it's the same things like, you know, a lot of love, joy, peace. Um, usually the biggest value in Satanism is freedom. And this is <laughs> that's where I get on my kick because I think it's mostly a reactionary religion. Um, okay. We can, we can go into that a little bit more later, but it, it is actually mostly a reactionary religion. And part of what concerns me is how much of it is that religions like Christianity, predominantly in the West, so overbearing that it makes people feel like they can't be free to be themselves. So they have to okay. create an alternative. Whereas if you actually you know, read our Christian text and stuff. You have like my favorite Bible verse is Galatians five one. It is for freedom he set us free. Okay. How do you go from the freedom that the religion that is the entire purpose is freedom for freedom's sake to we need to create an alternative to this religion so that we can have freedom? Something goes astray in between, you know, Paul and now sure. that that's a possibility at all. That makes sense. Yeah. So for the listener and those of you watching the YouTube adaption of this episode, adaption? Sure, I'll stick with it. The purpose of today's at least spooky half of the conversation is to, at least my purpose, and Josh, I think you might come along with this a little bit, is to help demystify, and for lack of a better term, undemonize this group a little bit. <laughs> Obviously, ironic. we're here. Ironic. It is ironic. I couldn't come up with anything else. Um Obviously, we're here to educate, as Josh was talking about earlier. We're here to help uh, people understand kind of the history and some of the teachings of the various branches of Satanism, because newsflash, there is more than one. But also, it's to help understand why. Why is this here? Would you say this was your motivation, at least, for getting into studying this concept a little bit, this religion. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, my original motivation was just, it was one of those boogeyman words, you know, this is like the great True. evils. And then you hear one person give kind of a reason why they do it. And you're like, 
wait a minute. No, this is just supposed to be mustache twirling, just plain bad. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> but actually maybe it's showing me how we're occasionally bad and need to look at our own selves in the mirror, which will also be a topic when uh, you and I do a drive-in series for systematic ecology. We're talking about uh, Frankenstein oh, yeah. and Wolfman. Yeah, just another quick plug. <laughs> but yeah, but no, um, yeah, that's one of my big motivations for studying it. My big motivation for talking about it with you is um, I wanted to talk to Brandon. Yeah, love you too. I don't, I don't need any other <laughs> motivation. <laughs> well, you used a good word there earlier, and that is boogeyman, because throughout the history of Christianity, particularly starting in the Middle Ages. This word Satanism, worshiping Satan, has been tossed around a lot throughout our throughout our history to describe groups who are pagan worshiper or pagans who are worshiping di- different gods and goddesses. We labeled them as we are Christianizing Europe. We labeled those gods and goddesses as demons. They were worshiping demons. We have killed tens of thousands of people, mostly women who were believed to be witches, who were believed to have been holding these uh, Satan Sabbaths, I think is what they were called in the 19th century. The early 19th century, you had the accusation that the Freemasons were practicing of worship of Satan. Of course, you have a little bit more recent to us. The Illuminati. You have a little bit more recent to us, the satanic panic of the 70s, 80s, and 90s, where, you know, if you let your kid play Dungeons and Dragons, they're going to be worshiping Satan. Even all the way up until quite recently with QAnon, uh, they were alleging or they were saying that many uh, Hollywood liberals were a secret cabal of Satanists who were doing unspeakable horrors to children. That's a common thing that comes up in this conversation is that Satanists are child abusers of ver- in various ways. The interesting mm-hmm. part about all of these, this long history, even before we get into the religion, is that there's very little evidence for any of this. A lot of this was made up conspiracy theories, a little bit of hearsay, or just based on pop culture at the time, like the concept that the Black Mass was actually originated by a French novelist for a book that they were writing, not like an actual known practice that was going on at the time. So, Josh, my question for you, in light of all of this like brief history, why do so many Christians get so caught up in conspiracy theories? Because that's what a lot of this is, especially like the QAnon part of things. A lot of this has no real basis in any actual fact. They're conspiracy I'm, theories. I, I want to be careful. Okay. Um, sometimes I think we use the word Christian too loosely. I say I want to be careful, okay. then I'm just not going to be careful here at all. So, you know, what, what's your line? I'm subject to change my opinion or to be wrong. It's fine. But, yes. <laughs> uh, and this is just my guessing, more or less. It seems sure. a lot more like in more recent history, and by recent, I do mean probably a few hundred years, mm-hmm. Christians have been predominantly the ones in charge and have sure. become less about the Christian values that 
were founded when we were, you know, the martyrs, the little brothers, the hmm. nobodies. And then it became a lot more about this stay in charge, empowerment, systematic control of people kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And that is kind of my criticism, a lot of the church throughout history. And I think when you get used to being the ones in charge with a predominant voice, anything that stands out scares you because you want to be the one in charge. Ironically, power often is what leads you to fear. When you mm -hmm. have any power, you're not afraid of losing anything. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, and I think when that happens, you know, we, we create these boogeymans um, uh, and more. So I think Satanism is probably like predominantly feels like a thousand year viewpoint. What you're going to see is like that was the oogie boogeyman, you know, the whatever mm -hmm. until until it actually became a real thing. You know, that we started mm -hmm. we called things Satanism before there was actually Satanism. <laughs> True. Um, I think more recently, if you want to look at something, you can look at like. um What's the thing? Uh, system, system, systemic racism is a word that people like. Yeah, you know, we throw that out as, oh, that's that. And we don't want to vote for that. And, you know, depending on where critical, you are in the world, or even theory. in our country. Yeah. This is going to sound really weird to you because it's like, well, why would Christians react that way? It's because they don't know what it is. They just feel threatened and want a word to put mm -hmm. to the threat. Um, if you look at most of the things that these governors and stuff in the southeastern part of America are doing to combat systemic racism, most of it has nothing to do with that at all. It has to do with educating people about racial history, which is not <laughs> critical race theory at all. Like that's just not what it is. Mm -hmm. But because we created a word to kind of throw out of what we're afraid of, that's kind of what they're doing. Um, Marxism is a popular one in America. If we don't like mm -hmm. someone's political view, they're a Marxist. Even if nothing about their views match up with Marxism at all, they're still a Marxist if I don't like them, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I think that's often what happens is we get afraid and we just need to label people to dehumanize them. And then we can attack them because we're afraid. Would you maybe not so much for America as a whole, but uh, within evangelical American churches, would you put deconstruction on that list of current boogeymen? It kind of seems like a toss up depends on like what church you go to. It's like, Oh yeah, hey, that's cool. You know, this is my story. And that kind of, a lot of churches do seem really open to it, but then you go to one and sometimes you'll even think this is one that should be friendly to this. And then they're pulling a man. I hate saying this because I love John Cooper growing up, but they're pulling a John Cooper with, Oh no, that's evil. And anyone who does, that's going to hate God. And I was like, Oh, that's not what deconstruction is. You just saw one thing you didn't like threw a label on it. And now no one can use the word for what it actually means. True. I think yeah. that also happened in recent history. Again, this is going back like three or four years with the word woke, because I think woke used to mean like you were an ally who was supporting people who were experiencing experiencing mm -hmm. systemic racism. And then after the George Floyd moment back in 2020, mm -hmm. it became a hijacked term by the more very far conservative yeah. side of the politics to mean it's liberal and evil. Yeah, it's so weird that it's like, I feel like a lot more recently, especially in our context, again, I don't know if this is happening all around the world or not. Mm -hmm. It's like the opposite of what used to happen. You know, we would use, originally Christian was used derogatorily, and then mm -hmm. Christians were like, actually, we like that. We're going to own it, right? Mm -hmm. And you have a lot of examples of that throughout history of something that was originally meant to be derogatory, becoming the name that we take on on purpose. Mm-hmm. 
but more recently you're getting like the opposite of that, like woke where originally this was more of the black communities, a lot of the more liberal thinking politicians kind of stuff using that to kind of embody something good of seeing what's really out there and then it being turned into a derogatory term. And now no one wants to use it and we ruined the term. Jerks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's some How rude. I want that. That's going to be the next podcast I start. It's going to be just etymology, just words that got ruined and I'm mad about it. <laughs> And that should be the title. Words that got ruined and I got mad about it. <laughs> uh, it could be a fun uh, mini series for the Patreon or something. <laughs> there you go. Oh, that's a yeah. good idea. That's a fun Patreon idea. So so that's a brief overview of all the times that we have labeled something satanic or a Satanist, whether or not there was actually any proof from it. Let's go now to the 1960s. And for those of you who have been listening to the show for the while, you know that I'm a big fan of studying cults and all the interesting history that comes with it. And for some reason, the 1960s and also the 70s were an absolute breeding ground here in America for new religious movements. It was, I mean, there were cults popping up everywhere in the 60s and we still have them here still with us till this day but something about the 60s with the embracing of new age and the mixing of different religions just it became a breeding ground for religious movements new religious movements one of those being satanism as an actual religion founded by a guy named anton levey i believe is how you pronounce his last name josh can you can you walk us through a little bit of this like history how do we get the original church of satan do you what do you got honestly i forgot <laughs> so. okay <laughs> i can take it and you can chime in with brilliant ideas sorry so, yeah <laughs> no, no it's good so in the night like i said i think it was 1966 anton levey uh he founds this religion of satanism the church of satan and since that point, going all the way to, I think, 2012, this has been a very minor but still growing religious religion within our country. And there's been a few splits. There's the original Church of Satan. There's the Temple of Set. And then the Satanic Temple. I think that's like the three branches of Satanism. Do you recall which one you went to? Or which one your friends were involved with? The name on the door was Church of Satan. I don't know. My okay. friend was a... So usually Satanism... I don't... like. It's like philosophy, religion. I don't know what you would title it as. It kind of gets mm -hmm. divided between theistic and non-theistic. So the people I were mm -hmm. friends with were non-theistic Satanists. Let's go ahead and explain that then. So <laughs> predominantly... Within Satanism, it seems from the research we were doing, is that the people who practice this religion are non-theistic, meaning that it's kind of a, brand, a blend of atheism. They do not venerate Satan. He is not someone they are literally worshiping. Instead, he is a role model of Kind of like how some people see Jesus as like a role model of the you know most good person that you can be. That's how they treat Satan. Not a real person, but the the true model that you want to follow as this like 
anti-authoritarian like character who most importantly to them stood up against religious elitism and said Mm -hmm. no thank you to that anything you would add to that yeah i am oddly enough i do feel like it's a very american religion (laughs) because it is that anti-authority we do what we want freedom democracy kind of thing um and what's what's interesting is i forget which ones it is i know it's the one of the non-theistic Satanist groups, mm-hmm. a lot of them will take in members who don't believe what they believe at all, because a lot of it is really just used for legal purposes, which is maybe part of where I'm also slightly qualified to talk about it, just because I am getting into law, and this is the kind of thing that interests me. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, basically, atheism isn't seen as a religion for legal purposes, and a lot of atheists don't want to be considered religious because... Yeah, you know, depending on how sure. you define religion, all those arguments can be made, whatever. That's not what we're here today about. <laughs> but because of that, if something happens like Tennessee decides this is probably actually a thing, um, we're going to start making every single student that walks in our door say, praise Jesus when they come in, <laughs> you know. Okay. Um, well, if you have a non-religious family, they can't bring a case about freedom of religion because, well, that doesn't go against your religion to say, praise Jesus, because you don't have a religion. So instead, mm. what they could do is say, well, actually, we're Satanist and Satan doesn't like Jesus. So, <laughs> so, so basically, some of it purely exists so that they can have these legal cases to kind of create fairness for people who don't have a religion. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think that's probably actually a good thing to be able to have fairness for those who don't believe the same as us. I don't think it's a good thing. They have to pretend to like Satan so they can say they have a religion. True. You know? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. But at the same time, how I mean, you're the lawyer here, so you can lawyer not a, me. Not a lawyer. Um, you're the law guy, so you can my sister, my future. Uh, one of my future sisters in law is, is going for her law degree, so I can also nice. check with her on this. It's also kind of like how our government is supposed to work, that we have freedom of religion, even though, as yes. we have already covered, Christians have, contrary to what certain brands of Christianity would like to teach, we have all of the power and the authority and all of the everything in our country, and we use and abuse that for our own personal growth and to put down other religious groups, even though technically... Uh, Part of our constitutional founding, I think, was on this idea of religious freedom for all. I do agree. It yes. is kind of it. It's kind of sad that the alternative for atheists is to claim Satan. But I mean, that's not always the case. But yeah, sometimes it does make it easier. Um, sure. And this is probably where I get on a lot of Christians probably won't like me. I probably have a lot of fights over this over the years, but. <laughs> usually i tend to in legal cases side with the satanist but i'm like actually you know they're they're right we shouldn't be forcing children to say praise jesus when they walk in the door if someone doesn't believe that way Mm -hmm. because and this is this is my biggest legal pet peeve everybody wants things to go their worry and just don't think about the consequences the Mm -hmm. moment the court says yes we can force people to say praise jesus when they walk in the door that means that california can then say we can make everyone say praise satan when they walk in the door Right. I don't want that. So I should be on the side that's keeping the praise Jesus when they walk in the door, too. You know, right. It will be used against you one day. And that's like, Mm -hmm. um, I forget what it was. There was a case earlier this year 
that everybody got really upset at because they were like, oh, well, it's saying that they could discriminate against homosexuals because there was it was the website case of forcing someone to make a website that says that these things are good. And I'm like, I see where you're coming from. They definitely should have made that website, in my opinion, if I'm just thinking from like Mm -hmm. a moral level. But they decided this any other way. That means someone could say, I want you to make a website that says I hate every single homosexual. And if it was decided to throw that everybody wanted them to, where they had to make that website, well, then the next time someone says we have to make a website that says these other awful things, that person mm-hmm. would then be forced to make that website. And we don't want that, <laughs> you know, and plus that website, ar- that, yeah. plus that website already exists. Just go look at Westboro oh, Baptist yeah. Church's yeah. website for a hell yeah. half a second. Just look at the web address. Anyway, not the point. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, if if I was a web developer and I'm a Christian, I don't want to be forced to say something that goes against my beliefs. Mm. I'm a web developer and I'm just out Satanist. I shouldn't be forced to say anything that goes against, you know, like it just, it works mm-hmm. the same way both ways. And we often get caught up in our emotions and who we want to win rather than what does the system actually indicate if we allow this to happen? <laughs> um, just like, you know, people think, oh, well, we'll just add a bunch of court members that are on our side on the Supreme Court. I'm like, okay, that's that's great for a few years until the other side gets it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's no long term play mentality. Yeah. yeah like, of like all you're doing is just creating problems down the road. <laughs> right. Yeah. We don't think long term in much of these cases. Another yeah, interesting but, thing. Oh. Oh. Do you have something I was else just, you want to say? Yeah, I was going to say, but that's where a lot of these Satanism cases are actually a good thing. Because it keeps from things like that. Um, the other thing that's just fun, I say fun. <laughs> Sometimes the way they get these cases brought up is just really ridiculous things. And okay. um, the legal side of me is what finds this fun, really. Where it's okay. they have the Ten Commandments outside the courtyard. Well, yes. we can't sue them for having that there. What can we do? We'll put a Satan statue outside of the courtyard. So either they have to decide that we can't have either of these... <laughs> Or they'll have to allow both. Yes. Yeah, I always find those amusing. (laughs) I wanted to watch this uh, prior to this episode, but I wasn't able to find it anywhere on streaming that I currently have. Uh, There is a documentary about all of, not all, but many of the legal cases that Satanists have fought over the years to maintain some form of religious freedom for themselves. I think it's called Hail Satan with a question mark at the end of it. Um, (laughs) That's right. Maybe in the future, we'll cover that one here on the show for everybody, because the movie yeah. reviews are very popular. I'm just going <laughs> to it's, it's kind of like school, where I've done all these book reviews, and they get decent reviews, or decent downloads, but anytime I've done a movie review this year, it's been like, by way of downloads. <laughs> That's funny. But yeah, yeah, most of the Satanist cases are really just there to get some equality for those who aren't religious at all. They're usually not really having much to do at all with. We want to be able to pray Satan and more to do with how can we make this equal? (laughs) How can we make this equal? Yeah. And again, this is like a very specific viewpoint of Satan as kind of this, like almost like the OG anti-hero in a way like Neil Gaiman's Lucifer that's been turned into the Netflix series Lucifer. It's probably a good example of like Mm -hmm. kind of baseline of what they're going for here as to, again, Lucifer is like actually Lucifer in the show, but um, just kind of like this anti-authoritarian kind of cool guy 
rebel with a cause type of thing. Yeah. Another interesting. Well, gets... Go ahead. <laughs> I was say that can get you to the theistic side too, because mm-hmm. the views usually don't involve Jesus at all. You, you kind of take Jesus out of the equation, and the mm-hmm. version of the story is very similar to a Judeo-Christian view, but taking the other side, um, where you know God created everything, God created humans. Satan was jealous, but more because you're giving them everything. You're not giving us anything. You gave them freedom. We can't have freedom as the angels. Then he revolts because God is kind of seen as this tyranny in this kind Mm -hmm. of story, which is, again, it's very similar to our story, just with a different perspective and stuff. And I do think it's challenging for how we interpret our own stories Mm -hmm. um, because it is a lot of it is legitimate pushback to us being kind of overbearing and taking the higher than thou mentality sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not saying that the religion is valid. I'm just saying some of the criticism that caused this to occur, I think, is worth thinking about. Um, and, you know, that's where the non-theistics are like, OK, so we're going to take this mentality of freedom, going against the power, doing all these court cases. The theistic ones are saying, no, all of that stuff happened and Lucifer was just right. <laughs> right. Yeah, not they don't think he's evil. They don't think of themselves as evil. They think, no, God was a tyrant. And that is evil, so we should go against tyrosy. Yeah. Yeah. It lines up almost more with like Alan Moore's works of like Watchmen and V for Vendetta. Although I don't think that Satanists are trying to go for an anarchist state like in V for Vendetta with what V is trying to accomplish. But it is that you can't trust and nor should we trust people in authority all the way up to God himself. And also this like autonomy of I am my own person and I should have my own freedom to be my own person and to express myself the way that I want to, which again, going back to what you said earlier, there are supposed to be that in Christianity Galatians five one, but we've (laughs) lost that a lot. Another reason though, why I say it's not fully the whole V for vendetta anarchy blowing up buildings thing is because at least originally, Anton, the reason why there's divisions and new branches, I guess you could say, is it's more so on the political end of things. Anton LaVey started this as like to push libertarian, uh, pil- uh, I almost yeah. said philosophical, political. <laughs> political views and then you have the split in 2012 with the satanic temple who wanted to go the more liberal political viewpoint so it's not so much like a tear down the entire establishment as much as it is maybe a middle finger to religious authority religious authoritarianism yeah there's um i'm trying to think of what it was called but there's like a, a Satanist for Republican Satanist group. I just wish I remember what it was called. But there, there is <laughs> one of those. It does exist. <laughs> it does exist. Another reason why, again, this is not about tearing down the establishment and you know ruining your children, is that satanic the the satanic temple particularly is actually big advocates of. LGBTQ plus rights and uh, they're very yeah. pro-choice and which I guess depending on where you land with your faith and politics maybe that is still very evil but 
mm-hmm. they're they're all about advocacy. You go on their website, which I did, and like the three tenets of their religion is like empathy is like the first one. Empath- empathy, advocacy, and I forgot what the third one is. It's like these these terms that were yeah, we're all for raising funds for a cause that we believe in and sharing empathy with all people. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you then, <laughs> if yes. you were to meet someone and, um, you know, who claims that they're a Satanist because mm-hmm. a lot of these same freedom things, the problems they see in religion, and that's where they found this and they find comfort mm-hmm. in this kind of freedom to be themselves and to support others who want to, you know, be who they truly are. Mm-hmm. How, how do you respond or witness or do you, do you say, cool, have a nice day? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think I've never met a I've never met a Satanist, but as I've talked about here on the show before, I did know some guys who used to worship Odin. And uh fun. It was interesting. And I would say it was a lot of just like talking to them to better understand why, but also like what? Like what do you believe? Like what is in this religion? And I think that should be the starting point in this scenario as well of a better understanding why does this appeal to you? Why do you want to put your faith in this or however that looks like for the individual? Um, what what exactly do they believe? I think also I would want to know if there is an association, if they have an association with one of the branches, because I want to talk about here in a second. Um it is actually quite popular to be unaffiliated and it's actually mm-hmm. the unaffiliated that causes a lot of the problems that we have. I'll talk about that more in a second. Mm. So those are some of the questions I would want to have. I think I would, I would, I wish I could say, Hey, why don't you come to church with me and experience for it for yourself? I don't know if that's necessarily the best step. I would maybe instead mm-hmm. say, would you be comfortable again if I like am friends with this person or if it's a random stranger on the street, maybe not, but if it's someone I've known for a while, like I would probably invite them to study the Bible with me and not me trying to shove it down their throats, but like just to understand like their interpretation of what's going on and be able to have conversations that way. Those are at least my initial thoughts. What about you? Hmm. I like all that. Um, I just I do want to throw out a, a challenge for people in general. This is not what I did in this case. Um, the reason I went to a Satanist church is because I had to go to a different religion's ceremony or service for school. Mm-hmm. I just chose what I thought would be the most challenging because I'm a crazy person, you know? <laughs> well um, done. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I do think we're very quick to say, let's invite them to our place of worship so they can see what it's all about. Mm-hmm. I wonder... How often do we think, let me go see what they're doing, go to their place of worship so that I can talk to them better about it. I don't think many Christians are, I don't know if that's the wise thing or not, but I don't think many Christians would be willing to do it, even if it was the wise thing. I think if you're going to, though, invite them to church or invite them to a Bible, your own like Bible study, I think you then should be open to at least if they say, okay, but only if you come hang out yeah. with me at my gathering, then buddy, you might have to put your money where your <laughs> mouth is and at least go once. 
Yeah. The only reason it should scare you is if you don't actually think God is God and there's a chance that Satan's right. But if you're if you're confident in your faith, there's no reason it should scare you to go to another religion service. Um, it's true. But what I, what actually happened to me is I, I was too much of a coward to say anything, really. I okay. was just kind of like, okay, cool. That's what you are. I am a Christian. You know, I said that pretty mm-hmm. plainly and I just didn't push the conversation. It wasn't until many months later, ironically, we were... We worked together. Um, I was listening to Passenger has a song called Whisper. Mm. And in the song, it talks about how like there's just so much noise in the world. There's just so much going on. Everyone's telling me who to love, what to do, how to be. And sometimes all I need is a whisper. Mm. And all I hear is noise. Um, I forget exactly the exact lyrics, but something around there. Okay. And the guy working with me is like, that really spoke to me. That's where I'm at. I said, okay, well, let's talk about that. Because that's why I believe in God. You know, non-theistic Satanist. He doesn't believe in any God. Mm-hmm. We're just going to talk about it. He was like, okay, but I don't want to be controlled. I'm tired of people telling me what to do. And I'm like, yeah, but that's the thing to me when I, why I love Galatians 5.1 is because without any deity or anything, I am constantly impacted by social pressures or by TV or by this or that. And mm-hmm. there isn't a world in which I'm completely free in on myself and not influenced by anything. That doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. I'm either influenced by everything around me, or I can be influenced by what I believe is something greater, which is where I say love himself, who is God, you know, Jesus. Mm. And in Jesus, as C.S. Lewis writes, of course, we have to bring C.S. Lewis into this. Of I course. find my truest self. Mm-hmm. Without that, who I am is just formed by what's around me. But with Jesus, I can kind of break the shackles of that, break the shackles of sin, of culture, of the law. And I can find my real self in God. And that's kind of the conversation we had. And I don't know if he ever made anything of me, but he, he did say that that's a beautiful idea. And uh, we kind of just oh, loved okay. it. I don't, I don't really know what happened after that, unfortunately. Well, I'm glad you were able to have that moment with him. And that also speaks to the power of pop culture evangelism. Never downplay the power of pop culture evangelism. Yeah, just passenger. Listen to more passenger. That's really Listen the point of the story. Passenger. So the mm. satanic church service were you like watching people being sacrificed or like walk us through that a little bit or at least of what you remember i think what really threw me off is so i had a notebook so i had to like write notes about like you know they did a couple songs Mm -hmm. everybody they talked it wasn't really as much of a preacher that everybody talked a little bit there was one person who did like kind of like a ted talk it really wasn't very spiritual okay um but really what took me back is I, i I spent the whole service waiting for something terrible to happen or for someone to say something about how Jesus sucks or something, you know, and it's sure. like, gee, I don't think Jesus or God was brought up at all. <laughs> you know, like okay. it was more, how can we help our community? What can we do with this? And I just kept waiting for it to be I, like, I feel like I was waiting for something sinister. I was waiting for the, oogie, mm-hmm. for, you know, the, the guy under the bed. <laughs> yeah. 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 The boogie man. Yeah. Yeah. And but just, nothing uh, like that. That didn't happen. They, no. They sang some songs. Yeah, yeah, but it wasn't like, like it wasn't like typically religious songs. I feel like it really was just kind of pleasantries, more or less. Maybe it was more of a chant, and I just didn't know what a chant was yet. Okay, because <laughs> I hadn't been to a church that had chants yet. But yeah, yeah, they did that. But a lot of it was just people talking after. Like it was a pretty quick service, but everybody kind of mm-hmm. just like the Baptist church hung around afterwards, talking, trying to figure out who's going to go eat lunch with who. And weirdly normal. Was everybody dressed in capes and carrying pitchforks and all like t-shirts and stuff? 
Okay. A lot of so normal. Yeah. <laughs> Very normal. Yeah. They're definitely a younger group. I didn't see a oh, lot younger of like, group. elderly okay. people here, but you know. All right. It sounds yeah. pretty boring. It was. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like as a Pentecostal, every service that doesn't involve <laughs> someone screaming or running down the aisles is kind of like, eh, did we really do anything today? <laughs> did we really do anything? I, I'm joking. That's not. You can, like but you can make those jokes. jokes. <laughs> you yeah. can make those jokes. I can't make those jokes. Oh, man. Yeah, that's I the advantage you. of growing up that way. <laughs> right. I can make homeschooler jokes. I was homeschooled for too. a very long time. Yes. The, here comes the bit. <laughs> <laughs> so i mentioned earlier about when you asked me that question of how would you evangelize to a uh to a satanist asking about their affiliation because some of you listeners at home or those of you watching may think to yourself i thought satanists were responsible for all these like really violent horrible crimes and that was part of the satanic panic yeah. and i thought so too Thankfully, the Department of Justice itself had a bit of an answer for us. Did you get a chance to look at that article I sent you? Um, very briefly. <laughs> very briefly. So the Department of Justice has created a training program for law enforcement to educate them on Satanism and the legalities of it, the what to look for during crime scenes and all that. Now, unfortunately, the full training resource is not available to us civilians, sadly, because I got real excited. But the abstract sum summary is available to us. And what is very interesting, as they have collected the data of the various um, instances where crimes have been, have been committed with someone who is connected to Satanism, the i guess you could i don't know if they would actually use this but the mainline mm -hmm. satanists those who pra who are attached to the church of satan the satanic temple temple of set mm -hmm. it's almost zero it's i believe the term they use in the uh abstract is experientialists those who individually identify themselves as satanists or very fringe groups those are the ones who are committing crimes and on top of that there are other contributing factors like youth it's a lot of teenagers mm -hmm. substance abuse drugs and alcohol abusing drugs drugs and alcohol and mental health disorders so what's very interesting is that although there is this narrative that Satanists are actually horrible human beings who are trying to ruin your children. In actuality, any crimes that are being committed are more so by the fringe. Crimes are still crimes. Mm -hmm. Don't mishear me on that. But it's by the fringe. It's by the individuals who are just identifying themselves as I follow Satan because anti-establishment versus these known religious organizations who are trying to help their communities, as Josh just mentioned with the service that he attended. So Josh, what's your takeaway from all that information? Got any got any thoughts on that? I I don't think it'll make any of our listeners mad, but <laughs> I honestly I can't help but think that the same thing is true of Christians. Um, okay. People who aren't Christians 
I have a tendency of thinking that Christians are these Republican voting, angry people who stormed the Capitol this one time and mm. want to kill all gays and anyone who's had abortion should be put to death is what all Christians think, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it's interesting when you go through that and, you know, a lot of these things are largely true until you start looking at the records of how many of these are Christians who attend church more than once a month. Mm, yeah. How many are actively say that they actively do spiritual practices? How many of them have a pastor that they talk to weekly, that kind of thing. And then all of a sudden you see the people who are actively part of the system who are actively participating aren't these people who are storming the Capitol, <laughs> you know? And, and it's just interesting how, and this is kind of a criticism on Satanism. So here we go. <laughs> This whole conversation has its like focal point on the establishment in the system. And mm-hmm. what you see is, ironically, whether it's Christians or Satanists, those who are actively in the system, who are part of actual religious practice, tend to be those who are more spiritually healthy, I guess is, is the right term, maybe? Sure. Um, it's hard to come up with a good term for this. Um, but it's funny because for Christians, that should make sense. God established the church, the church, the body of Christ for Mm -hmm. Satanists. That shouldn't make a lot of sense because your religion is anti-establishment, but the ones who are part of the establishment of Satanism are the ones that are doing well. And those who are not in the establishment are causing the issues. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like, um, maybe anti-establishment isn't the way to go. Maybe, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I think that's enough on the Satanism part. Let's pivot now. To Martin Luther. Now, listeners or watchers at home, you may be thinking to yourselves, okay, this is going to be like a Herculean effort to pivot (laughs) from that to Martin Luther. Au contraire, just Google (laughs) Martin Luther on Satan, and you will discover that Homeboy had a lot to say about Satan and also frequently battled him. So let's just get into that for a second. Josh. Did you know that Martin Luther was regularly having fights with the devil? Not not until um earlier today. <laughs> <laughs> I and I keep trying to search. Did he use a broadsword? I don't see that anywhere. <laughs> he he did throw an inkwell. Yeah, I did I, I did read that. He yeah. did throw an inkwell at the at the devil at one point. So for those of you Refuse who may have medical missed- help once. <laughs> Refuse medical. So, for those of you who may have missed this episode, back over the summer, we did a series, The Summer of Bonhoeffer, kicked it off with an episode with Pastor Will Rose, who is a Lutheran minister. Um, mm-hmm. And if you're a Lutheran minister, you think very highly of Martin Luther, but we did have a very good mm-hmm. conversation. Dietrich Bonhoeffer is also Lutheran, for those of you who may not know. Um, yeah. We had a very good conversation. It was a brief conversation about how Martin Luther, particularly at the end of his life, but it was there throughout most of his life, said some very troubling things and had some very unique, is that the good word? Is that a proper word to use? Very unique beliefs. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of those common practices that he had really throughout his entire life, but especially there near the end of it, was he did not attack his opponents his theological opponents personally he did oftentimes compare them to satan and doing the work of satan theologically 
It was the theological teachings that he attacked, not the individual personally. Martin Luther also regularly blamed everything on Satan. If there was a bad storm or something went awry during a hunt, it was probably, not probably, it was Satan's fault. And as Josh and I have just briefly mentioned, Martin Luther regularly had, especially near the end of his life, regularly had arguments with the devil late at night. He would wake up and have these like full-blown arguments with the devil. Josh, what what's your uh, what are some of your thoughts on all of this? What are some of your takeaways? Because I have a few. And then I want to talk about some of the things Martin Luther did to fight Satan. So Yeah. Yeah. Well well while criticizing things, I'm gonna criticize myself. Because you know, okay. criticize Satanism in the church already. Not not time to turn it on me. Okay. <laughs> I caught myself laughing while reading a lot of this stuff because <laughs> I was like, that's so silly. Um, and the reason I want to criticize myself for that is, yes, mm-hmm. it was silly. I think it's okay to laugh a little bit. But my problem is I was laughing, A, because it was like, oh, he's being silly. Instead of acknowledging, he probably had some mental health things that going on that mm-hmm. actually is really concerning. Um, if anybody today is having some of these fits, they should seek help and we should be more caring and empathetic as our yes. Satanist friends would say. Um, <laughs> the, the other thing though is I have a tendency and this is maybe where I've gotten too modern. I'm just, okay. I find a lot of this over spiritual stuff, just silly, you know, and okay. it's my initial reaction. And I'm like, you know, actually, even though I think he had some mental health things and he was going too far, maybe we've done too much to pull spiritual figures out of our religion. You know, we've done too much to Mm. say spiritual things don't happen. Satan isn't doing anything. It's probably not Satan himself, but you know, Mm -hmm. I think we might've gone too far the other way that it seems laughable. Or sometimes I think like uh, my dad growing up when we went to church that everyone always argued Sunday morning. I am now of the mindset. That's probably because it was the morning and none of us wanted to be awake yet. (laughs) You know, you need to sleep in a couple times a week, but (laughs) My dad would always say, who, who do you think? Do you think it was God or the enemy? Who do you think wants us to be fighting right now? Because you're going to go to church and you're not going to hear the message. You're going to be distracted and fighting. And as a kid, you know, that was like the guilt trip and that got me. Sure. And even now I'm like, I don't know if that's great tactic, but also there probably is something there as far as spiritual warfare that's like actual intangible that we should be more aware of. Maybe okay. not to Luther's perspective of every single thing that happened to Satan. <laughs> right. But still acknowledging that there is something going on. Spiritual warfare is a real thing. Yeah. Yeah, I I had a very similar experience with this. Part of the reason I have actually, listeners, I have actually looked into a little bit what it would take to become a demonologist. Not like a ghost hunter, but like the guy who does the research part of things. Because I find the supernatural, the dark side of the supernatural world, very fascinating. And I affirm what scripture says that Satan is real. There are demons. There's, you know, Satan prowls around like a roaring lion. I think that's first Peter five or something like that. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I'm a skeptic when I start hearing stories outside of scripture about encounters with the devil and demons Um, because you are right. I think it was one of the articles that I was reading and I sent to you. There is a popular theory now that Martin Luther had insomnia and that's what a lot of these um, 
late night battles what satan actually were was this like it was a mental health issue it was a health issue not a actual spiritual attack although to be fair because we don't want to act like we're holier than thou because it's 2023 and not 15 19 <laughs> or whatever we weren't there we don't know i don't think martin luther is making any of this up i think he was very genuine in his you know in his coming to these conclusions especially the late night battles mm-hmm. but i do agree with you there is it's interesting how I guess it does make sense, though. It's so polar, right? How Christians respond to this. Because Christians either respond with everything is Satan, everything bad is Satan, and we Mm -hmm. never take any personal responsibility for our own sinful choices because we have a sin nature, or the sinful choices of people in the past that have contributed to the society that we have now. Or on the other end of the spectrum, you have people closer to what sounds like you and I of like, seriously, do you have to blame everything on Satan? Like, you're just a bad person. You just have, I shouldn't say just having a mental health crisis because mental health issues is legit. But Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, why is there such a strong polarity here? Yeah, I I think I I, want to, the polarity is an issue also because um, and you're seeing this in a lot of more recent Christian literature about like embodied spiritualism, um, mm. especially like um, Greg Allison actually has a book called Embodied, talking about well, the importance that Jesus was embodied spirit. Um, mm. And I think we we forget that spiritual and physical aren't always mutually exclusive. They can actually be tied together. It's completely possible. This is my Lutheran apologist here going. It's completely okay. possible that there was spiritual warfare going on. And that was what was causing his mental health issues. You know, like it's not that those two things are completely separate. Um, Sure. Okay. But I I think some people over mysticize it to a point that it makes evangelism difficult. So Mm. um, especially, you know, from my context, growing up Pentecostal, when I try and tell someone about God and they're like, okay, well, if if he's real, make these things levitate right now, you know, and people (laughs) kind of make fun of it. And I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, um, that's not actually what, how I, I believe God works. Well, why not? You believe you can just heal something on his body. Why wouldn't he just levitate to prove he's real? You know, that's like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. We definitely over mysticize it. And that makes some of these conversations really hard. And that's what frustrates True. people like me because I want to have serious conversations with people. And I can't because some people are making it silly mysticism kind of arguments. Mm. Um, but then on the other side, I think what's troubling is that maybe people like me are the issue for some people where I'm making everything, no, that's a mental health issue. No, that can be explained. No, people have different attractions because of their biological nature, whatever. And then someone goes mm-hmm. to try and pray something and it's like, well, why would prayer be real? Why would this be real? He's proven all the, you know, mm-hmm. we've talked about everything else as if it's just a physical issue. Why would we believe this? You know, why Fair. would someone be able to speak in tongues? And it's like, well, I'm probably making some of the internal church stuff where people need to be able to rely on the spirit harder because I keep debunking all these other things. And there's Mm. probably a good middle ground where we just acknowledge that these things are related. These things Mm -hmm. are both possibly true. We can't always blame the devil, but maybe we shouldn't always explain things away either. Sure. Sure. And it's a, it's a hard, it's a hard ground to be on because we don't know. I think that's (laughs) why for me, the skepticism is easier 
because we we don't know. And you're right. It's probably there's probably times where it is the devil and it's sometimes where it is mental health and sometimes where spiritual warfare and health issues are colliding, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, it it's just hard to navigate when one is one and, or both or whatever. Here's where I'm just going to word vomit a little bit and let us wrestle through this. Okay. I think to Martin Luther, from his perspective, he was fighting the devil. And I think at the end of the day for his spiritual journey, that is what mattered Mm -hmm. is that he was wrestling with the devil. Now, Mm -hmm. maybe the way to cure that was prayer. I think him not letting medical doctors help him at all was probably an issue because maybe God's sending you a doctor, (laughs) you know, like again, the things aren't mutually exclusive. So I think you can say, yeah, Martin Luther fought the devil. Maybe the devil was his own mind. Maybe it wasn't. Mm -hmm. He should have fought that fight and he should have, you know, he should have prayed. He should have seen doctors. He should have done both of those things because Mm -hmm. regardless of what we think he was fighting the devil. True. And I would, I would like to just add to that and maybe clarify a little bit when you get into some of Martin Luther's writings and you see a lot of the ways that he talked about uh, other theologians comparing them to Satan, not even comparing, just saying they are the mouthpiece of Satan. That's not what we're really, I'm not here to support that. I think if anything, that's like a Theo bro tactic to really, you know, to slap a very modern term on it. You know, I guess in the end, yes, Martin Luther is really trying to stand for the gospel as he sees it. But what we're trying to clarify here is I think Josh is onto a good point here of at the end of the day, whether we know or not, if he was actually battling Satan or all the complicated nuance, it is good that he at least fought that battle and fought it as well as he could, though probably seeing a doctor would have helped. Yeah. I um yeah Martin Luther definitely has his faults. I'm not trying to just be a Martin Luther apologist. Um, mm-hmm. for any example further, see what he said about the Jewish people. Yeah, and that's not actually, always a good guy. Yeah, yeah, that's actually what uh, Pastor Will and I talked a lot about because you have this dichotomy of what Martin Luther said about the Jewish people and then what Dietrich Bonhoeffer did for the Jewish people or were trying to do yeah. during World War II. Oh yeah, but. A lot of his theology, a lot of his stuff does still help us going forward. We're just too quick to throw people out because of one thing. The church started the cancel culture, and now the church complains about cancel culture. What? No, we didn't. I just don't like We don't it. cancel so people, Josh. Just, you know, sometimes people do bad things, and that doesn't mean everything they do is bad. But, sure. Um, yeah, when it, when it comes to this, like if I, for some reason, woke up tonight and was, there was the devil giving me thoughts or whatever – I'm going to go see a mental health expert. I am also going to stop in that moment and pray because the devil is attacking me. <laughs> you know, right. like, I don't think either of those things are wrong. <laughs> On that note, let's talk about some of those ways that Martin Luther battled the devil. <laughs> Here we Josh go. is laughing because he knows what's coming next. So prayer was a big part of it, obviously. Yeah. Prayer was a big part of it. Also, proclaiming the grace of the gospel in the moment. That was a big part of it. Another big part of it, uh, of his strategy for battling Satan was teaching about it, talking about it. There's some of his writings, especially there's this one book that's just like a collection of his thoughts that one of his students collected. There's just random statements of 
and I bottled Satan last night. Like just kind of random thoughts here and there. But one thing that Martin Luther was famous for doing for battling the devil was farting in the general direction of Satan. For those of you who may not know, Martin Luther was not scared to start throwing feces around when it comes to verbal attacks. He even told Satan to kiss his ass in one occasion. Josh, yeah. what is this? <laughs> Listen, according to the Geneva Convention, uh, <laughs> chemical warfare of any kind. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great response. I, just, <laughs> I have nothing. I have nothing. I um, He did that. <laughs> he did that. Yeah. And that's not even like just something when it came to battling Satan, like Martin Luther was not afraid to start throwing poop around metaphorically, verbally with anything. He can't, I don't know if that's like a German culture thing at the time or what. For all those who doubted Darwin, see Martin Luther. (laughs) I'm going to get in trouble. I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh no. I mean, you didn't hear it because we're just <laughs> recording this part of it. But if anybody got past the actual intro of this episode, they already they should have suspected that there was something strange coming. Good. Yeah. So next time you're in a fight with the devil, seriously, this isn't even like we're laughing because it is kind of silly and there's not even remotely any kind of scriptural support for these claims. But basically, Martin Luther told satan at least once you know i i broke wind yesterday are you gonna hold me accountable to that too i'll do it again at you like he he would (laughs) fart at satan i just um yeah yeah because brandon is an intelligent sophisticated man the name of this episode i'm pretty sure is of monsters and luther yes um because i am not if i had named this it might have just been poo on you satan (laughs) That would be a good subtitle. That's like the secondary title to this episode. Poo on you, Satan. Martin's and Luther. Poo on you, Satan. (laughs) Oh, Oh, man. Can I do some recommendations? Sure. Let's turn it into a systematic ecology episode. Go ahead. No, no, no. listen. These are serious recommendations. um, Erasing Hell by Francis Chan. Uh, okay. He brings up a really, I think going back to kind of that conversation of that polarization of sometimes being too quick to blame things on the devil and sometimes being too mm. quick to explain things away, all that. Um, when he, he said something about hell that really blew my mind going through all the gospels, Jesus only talks about hell to those who are really religious and think of themselves as spiritually higher than now and then the rich. Mm. That's it. Never to the poor, never to the sinners, but to those people who think they have it all together. That's who Jesus warned about hell. Okay. And that, just that alone just really stuck with me of, hmm, why am I bringing this up right now? Am I trying to make someone feel bad because they haven't found Jesus yet? Because that's not good. Am I bringing this up because someone thinks they have it all together and they need to know that maybe they don't? (laughs) Right. Um, the other one, the more fun recommendation, I guess, um, 
if you want to learn more about demons and the powers of darkness. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm like, I like Michael Heiser a lot. He passed away earlier this year. He has a book of demons. What the Bible really says about the powers of darkness. Hmm. Whether you believe everything he does or not, he does a really good job of showing all the things that the Bible says about it and kind of exploring the lore. And it's good. I read. will. Yeah. I will have to go check that out. I thought maybe you were going to say Hellboy in Hell because I know you love yeah, that. That's also a great. <laughs> <laughs> but I might have to go check that book out because, like I said, this whole this whole area of study is quite fascinating to me, and it does blend over yes. into my other interest of new religious movements and cults. But okay, it's cool a good intersection. It's a good intersection for sure. Um, I did not come prepared with a recommendation, but maybe just to put a little serious spin on the whole Martin Luther farting on the devil thing. Um, I think the point that he was trying to get there is that that is where Satan belongs. Is at the crap in their butt. Oh. He, not up, but <laughs> I'm so glad the podcast on YouTube is not monetized. <laughs> this is getting no bucks if it was. Um, the, uh, what Martin Luther was basically going for, the more I reflect on it, is that that's where Satan belongs. Satan does not belong to be on the forefront of like controlling everything in our lives and always coming down on us and criticizing us and leading us to think that we are not saved. You know, those actual spiritual warfare things that we engage in, but rather he belongs. He belongs back there. He belongs behind us, even to the smelliest part of us. And I think, so, you know, I think that is a positive way to walk away with it from this, not trying to just completely dunk on what sounds very silly. But also, I guess if I did have a recommendation, I would say, Go to the sources, folks. Don't just listen to the people, the talking heads on social media. Don't just listen to what people have to say about a guy. Do like we did and tried to do and get back to the source material a little bit, whether that's Satanism or Martin Luther on Satan. Get back to the what they actually had to say rather than just taking the word for, of it of some random person on social media who claims to be a spirituality expert person. Any last thoughts, Josh? Well, my poop spin will be, <laughs> you know, listen, in that Paul poop. talks about, <laughs> Paul talks about in the Bible, he, he writes that all things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. Basically, mm. this idea of, and, and you know, when you do the Philippians 4 8 versus everybody else, whatever's good, think on these things, whatever's honorable, mm -hmm. right? Just because we have freedom, going back to the earlier part of our conversation, mm -hmm. doesn't mean we need to concentrate on everything. And maybe sometimes, just like our body does, we keep those things that support us, that are nurturing, that are nutritious in some way, and we defecate the rest and throw okay. it at Satan. Just give it back to him. We don't want, we don't need it. <laughs> That is a beautiful mental yeah. mentality and a beautiful image <laughs> that we're just going to go ahead and wrap the show up on. Thank you all for listening. Thank you. Thank you, Josh. This was everything I was hoping it would be. <laughs> and I look forward to doing Thanks. more of these in the future. Um, as always, folks, thank you for listening. Please rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. If you haven't yet already, um, do that. I already said that. 
but also pass this episode along to somebody that you think will enjoy this. Again, it's a great little conversation, hopefully challenging, hopefully also gave you some laughs along the way, too. Uh, you can find links to all the important stuff down in the description of this episode. I've already plugged Anazow a couple times. Thank you to everybody who supports the show over on buymeacoffee.com slash MSL pod. Everybody who supports the show at the $9 a month level gets a shout out here on the show. So thank you, Lori, for supporting the show. And you can also leave a one-time donation over there. Again, it's buymeacoffee.com slash MSL pod. You can find a link for it in the description. Next week starts our brand new series our last series of 2023 dialogues where i will be sitting down with a different guest in each episode you know like a normal podcast to dialogue with them through some questions some theological questions questions that most christians have at some point each episode's got a different guest each episode's got a different topic it's gonna be a lot of fun you don't want to miss it but as always this is brandon signing off reminding you that theology is for everyone so keep on studying and uh maybe keep the lights on tonight